planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. As always, my name is Mung. Week 7 almost done. This is Los. How's everybody doing? I'm feeling a lot healthier. I'm feeling better. Uh, let's go. Yeah, I mean, I would be uh, feeling a lot better if Demarius Thomas had more than one catch, but that's neither here nor there. Well, he got robbed, but uh, maybe he didn't get robbed. That was pretty egregious pass interference. But regardless, uh, why don't you uh, take us on in to our play of the day, play of the week? Yeah. So this week, uh, the the Buccaneers and the Bills went punch for punch on Sunday uh, in Buffalo with four lead changes in the game. Both teams fought hard for a win, but ultimately it was the home team Bills that won the day. With their top wide receiver Jordan Matthews playing limited snaps with his recovery from thumb surgery, their top rookie wide receiver Zay Jones still struggling to contribute, and their starting tight end Charles Clay out with a torn meniscus, Bills running back LaShawn McCoy put the team on his back. Shady rushed for 91 yards and two touchdowns, and also led the team in receptions with five catches for 31 yards, ultimately leading the Bills to a 30-27 victory. Get your close shave like LaShawn McCoy with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same great blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. The Bills really uh, having a great season so far, um, leading their division, I think, with uh, with four wins, well, I guess tied for uh, division lead, I think, right? Regardless, this team is playing so much better than the sum of its parts. Really, really a fun team to watch. Well, the uh, the Patriots are now leading with that win last night, five five and two. Right, right, right. Um, and what a what a win that was. We'll get to it later. Uh, for now, let's roll right into this week's Thursday night football game: Miami at Baltimore. Jay Cutler was unfortunately injured with rib fractures. Will miss a few weeks here. Uh, this does not change the offense at all to me. Matt Moore equally effective. Some might say better than Jay Cutler, though. Cutler has played pretty well this year. Uh, Jay Ajayi, twenty-three carries, fifty-one yards, with three catches versus the Jets. He's running back two again this week at Baltimore. Landry's a running back to Stills is a solid flex play if Parker does not play. Um, if he does, Stills goes on the bench and Parker's a low-end wide receiver too. That said, Stills is going to play. Parker isn't looking like he's going to suit up this week, probably not three days from now at least. Uh, Stills got nine targets in Parker's absence as well as two touchdowns here. Um, his usage didn't change with Cutler out and more in. Landry, again, 11 targets, just a target monster, keeps it rolling. Yeah, we're not sure how much time Jake Culler is going to miss here with the rib injury, but with Miami playing on Thursday night, he's out for sure, at least this week. But as you said, Matt Moore is a functional enough quarterback to get the ball to his receivers. And even though Jay Ajayi hasn't been efficient, he has been the clear workhorse back for this offense with 23 carries compared to Damian Williams, too. Uh, I think this offense is going to struggle a little bit against this Baltimore defense. Uh, so I just have a Jai as a low-end RB2 this week, but I do agree with your takes on that wide receiver situation. Um, I think Landry is the guy, but um, even even if Parker does not play, I don't love Stills this week against Baltimore. Just a flex for me. 
Uh, Jimmy Smith, a little better, better corner than what Miami has to, or than what, uh, oh gosh, who are they playing last the week? Jets. <laughs> than what the Jets have to offer. Sorry about that. On the Baltimore side of the football, Macklin was held out again versus Minnesota with a shoulder injury. Wallace missed the game due to concussion. There was not much offense to be had here. Not many offensive players to be had here. Uh, Baltimore trying to do their best New York Giants impression. Macklin's a wide receiver three if he plays, which I expect he may this week. Uh, Buck Allen's a low end running back two. The offense is really, really bad right now, though. Uh, Buck Allen led the team with 11 targets. Second, was Chris Moore. Who you ask? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I said too. Yeah, this Baltimore offense is really struggling and given that it's a short week and these teams are playing on Thursday, it's very unlikely that Mike Wallace is going to clear the concussion protocol in time. So I think by default if Jeremy Macklin um is active, he'll get a ton of targets. Um he should be a wide receiver 3 if he plays. And certainly Buck Allen getting a ton of targets out of the backfield too. Um, he's a decent low on RB2, I agree, and PPR. But uh, I will throw out Alex Collins as a desperation flex play as well. He's been the lead running back with Terrence West out. Uh, and Collins has shown that he's probably the best runner of this backfield. Miami allowed Bilal Powell and Matt Forte over five yards per carry this past week. So there is some upside for Collins if that Baltimore defense can control this game and allow for a balanced offense this week. Um, Miami has also allowed the six most tight, or excuse me, six most fantasy points to tight ends thus far. So Benjamin Watson is a decent high end tight end to play with six teams on by. If you're missing Evan Ingram or Delaney Walker this week. Absolutely. Only problem with Alex Collins. He's always a risk to fumble on the second play and then never see the field again, but they're running out of players on that offense. Regardless, uh, give me Baltimore and that defense to shut down Miami this week. Yeah, I think the defense more than anything is going to grant them a close FOD victory. In our next week of London games, Minnesota and and Cleveland travel for a 7.30 a.m. Eastern game at uh, Twickenham Rugby Stadium, same place that was played at this past week. So keep an eye on that, as well as the health of Stefan Diggs. Uh, Thielen was held to just 5 for 41 on 12 big targets through the game. Uh, Rudolph's a tight end one, and uh, and as well as we all know, Cleveland is not a worrisome defense, especially not against the tight ends. Uh, the running backs sort of flipped the script versus Baltimore with Murray getting 18 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown to McKinnon's 14 carries, 47 yards, but adding three catches for 10 yards. Uh, they will probably ride the hot hand, but I do still prefer McKinnon as he is the passing down back, as well as um, the younger, little more explosive runner. Yeah, I'd prefer McKinnon as well. Cleveland has a poor passing defense, but actually a pretty good rushing defense. Uh, they really haven't allowed any good games to running backs. Um, so I would definitely think McKinnon is the better flex play here. I also expect Stefan Diggs to sit out this week as well. Um, certainly it's possible he could play, but with Minnesota having their bye in week nine, I don't think there's any reason for them to rush him back this week on the road at London. You would think the Vikings expect to scrape out a win here without him. Um, Thielen should be a low-end wide receiver too this week, assuming Diggs sits again. Uh, Thielen actually leads the teams in, in targets every week with Diggs out, and Cleveland's secondary is much softer than Baltimore's was this past week. And as you said, Rudolph should be a top five tight end play for me this week uh, with Cleveland giving up the second most fantasy points to tight ends thus far on the season. 
Laquan Treadwell, just a uh, very, very desperate flex possibility. Still not getting, still not getting the targets. I'd like to see the former first rounder get even in Stefan Diggs absence uh, for Cleveland. Another week, another tough defensive matchup. Another time telling you to avoid this team uh, this week, though, Cody Kessler may be starting. Hooray. How crazy is this? Uh, Duke Johnson had seven carries for 26 yards, plus six catches for 45. He's still a PPR flex. And again, that's it. Crawley actually added 36 yards receiving to his 35 yards rushing, but I'm just not doing it versus Minnesota. Avoid Crowell again this week. Yeah, there's really not much to see here other than Duke Johnson. Uh, The Browns starting left tackle, Joe Thomas, tore his triceps against the Titans, and he's going to be out for the season. Crowell is droppable for me at this point. Uh, This rushing attack was already bad, even with Thomas in. Um, And if you've been streaming David Njoku at tight end, too, I'd look to avoid him this week. Um, He's not playing consistent snaps right now, and this is a poor matchup against a very good Minnesota linebacker core and secondary. There's just really no upside here. Should be no surprise here. I'm taking the Vikings. Skull. Yeah, these London games always uh, give me pause because it seems like the craziest things happen, but I will take Minnesota here. The L.A. Chargers at New England um, Sunday afternoon. The Chargers went in and shut down the Broncos with a few big plays on special teams, defense, and two big touchdowns from Travis Benjamin, a one-eight punt return. Uh, there's no need to belabor the fact that New England defense is less than stellar. Phillip Rivers is a borderline quarterback one this week. Gordon's a running back one. And I'd be really happy to have Allen, Henry, and Tyrell Williams this week. Mike Williams is still working on gaining a spot in this offense, was held catchless versus Denver. And Travis Benjamin, despite the big game here, is just too low volume. Yes, yeah, speaking of low volume, I know Tyrell Williams only had one target this week, but that's just what Denver can do. He will do better versus New England, that's for sure. Yeah, I really love Phillip Rivers this week. Uh, He's a mid-end QB1 for me. Uh, Even though Matt Ryan and the Falcons were unable to do anything against this Patriots defense, I think that's more on the Falcons uh, than anything. I expect Rivers to put up some nice numbers at New England, and the same goes for Melvin Gordon. And then Keenan Allen, he's a very solid mid-end wide receiver too for me this week. Even though he struggled against Denver, he was pushed out on like the two-yard line and was very close to a touchdown. Um, I expect Allen to do well this week. And Hunter Henry, too, has been an integral part of this Chargers offense the last three weeks. Uh, he should be a mid-level tight end one this week. He had four for 73 uh, against Denver and actually would have had a touchdown as well if not for a pass interference penalty. Um, I, I like all the starting Chargers uh, this week. And then if you're desperate, Travis Benjamin, he is that deep threat and that New England secondary has broken down quite a few times this season. So... Benjamin would be the best of the remaining options. He'd be a desperation wide receiver for for me. Yes, sir. Now we all saw last uh, last night late the Patriots go in and take care of business in the rematch versus Atlanta. The game was never in doubt. Uh, the LA defense outside of the pass rush does not worry me for the Patriots either. Start Brady, Gronk, Cooks, Hogan, easy of course. As for the running backs. Lewis continues to be the lead dog with 13 carries for 76 plus one catch for six. Uh, while the top passing specialist back, um, uh, White, of course, four carries for 10 yards rushing and five catches for 28 yards in the touchdown. Uh, you start them both as reasonably solid flexes. Uh, Mike Gillisley not looking great here. Just eight for 31 did not look very effective. Lewis is the better player, although he is less durable as long as Lewis is healthy. 
I think Gildersley's a non-factor. I'm benching him for now, especially as Burkhead was back this game, got himself a small piece of the action, six carries, which, you know, that 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 gets taken essentially right out of Mike Gildersley's pocket, uh, plus one catch for 11 yards here. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo your thoughts on uh, Gildersley and Burkhead. I think they're going to eat into each other's value now that both are healthy. Lewis and White are definitely the guys that you want. Um, and if for some reason you were worried about Gronk after this game, he had a 30-plus yard catch taken away by a pretty questionable offensive pass interference call. Um, I'd expect Gronk to bounce right back this week against the Chargers. Start all your Patriots. That was the theme of the week this week. Uh, OPI on Demaryius Thomas, OPI on the Gronk, and uh, yesterday OPI on Evan Ingram. All all wiping big, big plays off the board, wiping a lot of points out of fantasy players uh, off of their totals, not making anybody happy there, not gaining any fans, refs. We want the, uh, we want the replacements back. Uh, give me New England, of course, against the uh, Chargers. Give me the Patriots at home. All right. Chicago at New Orleans. The defense won the game versus Carolina with two huge turnover touchdown plays, each of 75 yards in length by Eddie Jackson. Very impressive, but does not help the offense much. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw only seven passes, completed four passes for 107 yards, including a 70 yard bomb to the running back. Uh, He completed two to Zach Miller for 29 yards. One to Gentry for eight yards, and then that big bomb to Tariq Cohen for 70 yards. There isn't much to take from that, and honestly, I'd like to see the Bears try and make their second overall pick, try to do something. Seven uh, seven passes per game, I mean, you know, you might love that. Doug Marone, of course, would love that. He'd love to see, uh, he'd love to see Blake Bortles throw zero passes, but in Chicago, we want to see what Mitchell Trubisky can do. Uh, Jordan Howard, 21 carries, 65 yards. No touchdown scored by this offense this game, but Howard's still a running back one, especially against New Orleans. Uh, Tara Cones had, has become a low-end flex, um, only getting big plays, very, very few touches compared to earlier in the season. That's it for me. Yeah, I have Howard more in the RB2 range instead of RB1 just because he doesn't catch many passes in PPR. Um, and basically it comes down to whether he scores a touchdown or not every game. Um, but he still does have nice upside every week. But yeah, he and Tariq Cohen are the only two guys you should be starting on this offense. Um, the only other possible uh, Bears player is Zach Miller. If you're desperate at tight end, he'll be a, a low level tight end too. He has been leading the team in targets for what it's worth, uh, even though it was two targets. From a team with no options to a team with far too many options, the New Orleans Saints. The running backs have really been great for New, uh, New Orleans since they eliminated that third wheel, Adrian Peterson, moving him over to Arizona. In 22 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown, plus four short, catch, uh, short catches. And Alvin Kamara, nine carries for 57 yards, inches from a touchdown. Uh, that extra six points would have been really sweet, plus five catches on seven targets for 50 yards. Both are RB2s here in Chicago. Michael Thomas, seven catches on 11 targets for 82 yards, has weekly wide receiver one potential. Uh, Ted Ginn was a shrewd ad on Sunday morning. For any of you who saw Sneed was not active at game time, he turned it into seven catches, 141 yards. I'm not as optimistic with Sneed likely playing versus Chicago. They will divvy up the touches there. And as expected, Coleman got that 22-yard score. Again, Breeze loves him near and in the red zone. Uh, Sneed will continue to cloud that situation, though. They are all borderline wide receiver four flex plays. Just too many cooks in the kitchen there. Kobe Flaner again with just three targets, not getting the value we want or need from him. Uh, Not worth an on any team. 
Yeah, Drew Brees really had an awful start uh, against Green Bay. Threw two really bad picks early on, but he salvaged his day with a passing touchdown and later on a rushing touchdown on a goal line QB sneak. Um, he'll be just fine at home against Chicago. And like you, I like both running backs, but Ingram is the slightly better play for me just because he gets more carries while they're splitting those receptions. Um, and yeah, not, not a whole lot else to add here on New Orleans. I think you covered pretty much everything. Only thing to add is I think the Saints get a win here at home versus Chicago, who refuses to run an offense. Yeah, I don't see the, uh, the Bears defense scoring two defensive touchdowns again. Uh, I will take New Orleans as well. No, sir. Uh, heading back to Carolina in the NFC South, uh, Carolina in Tampa Bay. Cam came into Chicago and put up a big stinker. Two awful turnovers, uh, a bad pitch uh, on an option play that ended up on the ground and in the hands of the defense. Um, a bad pick thrown directly to uh, Danny Trevathan. And then an unlucky interception that clanged off the hands of uh, one of his receivers. He should be an upside to low end quarterback one again, though. That sort of game will happen sometimes. Uh, they actually ran the ball pretty well, but did not sustain drives or score points. Stewart, 14 carries for 48 yards to McCaffrey's seven carries for 10 yards, who added seven catches for 36. Uh, they go to McCaffrey in big moments, and I still like him as a PPR running back too. Calvin Benjamin, three catches for 65 yards. Funches, four catches for 41 yards. On a night where just Cam was really bothered by the Chicago pass rush and too many turnovers there. Um, they're, they're both wide receiver three types here in Tampa. Yeah, I just don't know how you can be starting Jonathan Stewart right now. Um, I mean, he's really a desperation flex, very low-end flex. Um, he's done absolutely nothing since week one. Uh, I've dropped him in a league or two. I just don't see it. Um, McCaffrey's the guy you want here. As you said, in PPR, he's been an RB2 all season, just with all those catching passes out of the backfield on those little sweeps. Um, they're using him in a lot more creative ways than they are Jonathan Stewart because he's the more talented guy. And I, I do agree that both Benjamin and Funches should bounce back this week as well. Um, I do like Benjamin a little bit more as a high-end wide receiver three and Funches more of a low-end flex play. Not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but what do you think of the of the uh, Cardinal or of the Panthers as a team to take a like a second-round running back? Plenty of good running backs in this coming draft. You know, they just spent big on McCaffrey. I wouldn't be shocked to see them buy in early on a running back. Um, it's, it's a little early to say. I think they have other needs, but uh, I, I could see them taking a later running back in the third or fourth. All right. Uh, as for Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston came through against the Buffalo defense with 384 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Very tough defense. He should be fine against, uh, again here versus Carolina. Doug Martin, 20 carries for 49 yards. He's the clear lead back. He's running back two versus Carolina. Evans is, of course, a wide receiver one. Djax, uh, De Deshaun Jackson has flex value here. As for the tight ends, Cameron Brait, six catches, nine targets, 60 yards. Um, and OJ Howard showing some of that high end talent, six on six for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the tight ends may really have another nice day here, especially if Luke Keekley can't play for another week. Brates a low end tight end one while Howard is still a bit of a dice throw for me. I'd like to see some more consistency first. I'm not jumping and being reactive and throwing many start starting lineups or anything just yet. Um, but it is nice to see James Winston make and make and establish a connection with a young, young, talented player. Yeah, the Bucks really showed up against the Bills and had a solid chance to win that game were it not for an untimely fumble by Adam Humphreys late in the game. Um, and I think we pretty much covered just about everything here, Los. Uh, I would say 
The only thing is Jameis Winston I would have as a high-end QB2. He's just been inconsistent, and Carolina has been playing pretty well against opposing quarterbacks when not facing an elite quarterback. Oh, you know I'm not a big uh, Jameis Winston guy. Yeah, I, I mean, he has his flashes, but he's just been very inconsistent this year. That's all. Yep. Get uh, Tampa Bay this week in a week where I think the Duggernaut uh, starts to regain some of his prior uh, prior success. I'm actually going to take Carolina here. I think uh, after a pretty pretty rough loss to uh, Chicago, they're going to rally back and uh, come out strong against Tampa Bay. All right. Indianapolis and Cincinnati. Uh, we thought it might have been tough sledding for Indy versus Jacksonville, but I did not call a shutout. Jacksonville got up big, so we didn't get to learn much about that Gore-Mac split in an ideal scenario. Uh, Gore, this game, nine carries for 34. Mac, five carries for 26. Didn't teach us much, though Mac did add four, uh, four catches for 40 yards in the past game to the untargeted Frank Gore. Both have another another tough. Uh, both could have another tough time here versus Geno Atkins and company. They're only running back threes here. Uh, T.Y. Helton should return to low-end wide receiver one status, and Doyle actually had a fine tight end two-day. Uh, six catches on seven attempts for 44 yards I, I expect more of the same yeah I was uh, I was shocked when the Colts gave Chuck Pagano a four-year extension last year um, I really think they should have cleaned house and gotten rid of him when they axed Ryan Grigson uh, Pagano sounds like a guy who just knows he's on borrowed time here I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone after this week if they have another brutal loss to Cincinnati um, Brissett should be a QB two. Mack and Gore are both flex plays, though I much prefer Marlon Mack at this point. He played 32 snaps compared to Gore's 22 this past week, um, and he contributed more in the passing game. With Robert Turbin gone now, uh, out for the season, Mack's another guy that we'll definitely be talking about during our waiver wire section. Um, I wouldn't say T.Y. Hilton is a wide receiver one. Uh, I do think that um, this matchup is still not the greatest for him, but certainly like him as a wide receiver too. And uh, yeah, I mean, this this Colts team is just awful, needs to rebuild again. Um, yeah, rebuild again, even though you have Andrew Luck. It's kind of sad. Great thing for them, though, is just like that final year with Peyton Manning, uh, where they where they ended up with the first pick in the draft and then took Andrew Luck. They're going to be in a prime situation, have a very high draft pick, could have something here in Marlon Mack, could add a great, uh, great talent on the team and then have Andrew Luck back next year. So next year may be a very, very dangerous year for the Indianapolis Colts. As for Cincinnati, uh, Andy Dalton was eaten alive by the Pittsburgh pass rush, limited to under 30 yards in the second half. He hasn't done anything to restore my confidence yet this year despite all that aj green's a solid wide receiver one this week versus indianapolis only three catches uh, for 41 yards this week unfortunately tyler croft paying off with four catches 23 yards and a touchdown he's a good tight end streamer this week the Bengals more or less abandoned the run in the second half but joe mixon looked explosive despite a 2.8 yards per carry on the season on a better team he could be a running back one but alas he's just a running back three against a semi-tough indianapolis defense this week uh this week's touch breakdown was Mixon, 10 carries for 58 yards, adding three catches. Bernard, four uh, four touches for seven yards with one catch. Hill, four touches for seven yards. Neither of those two guys are ownable in a 10 or 12 team league. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not sure why people continue to defend Andy Dalton. I think Cincinnati uh, needs to move on from Dalton and Marvin Lewis after this season. They only owe Dalton uh, 2.4 million guaranteed, and Lewis has shown to be a Jeff Fisher level of mediocre head coach. 
Um, I, I really think the Bengals should do what they can to keep AJ McCarron as a re- restricted free agent in 2018. See what he can do with some additions to this offensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, I think both of these teams are just, you know, run by terrible head coaches and or GMs right now. But anyway, uh, back to fantasy. Um, I, I know even though I just ripped on Andy Dalton, who, by the way, threw the ball away on a fourth down attempt this past game, uh, even <laughs> though there was literally nothing to lose by at least tossing it up for grabs to AJ Green or, you know, you know, just a really talented wide receiver on your team. Um, Dalton is still a decent low end QB one this week. Uh, it's a pretty bad Colts secondary. I do think the Bengals are going to find success on offense here. And then Mixon should be a high-end flex or RB3. Uh, of course, you're starting A.J. Green. And I actually think that uh, Tyler Croft is definitely worth streaming against the soft Colts secondary that's going to be focused on stopping Green. Um, and the Colts are actually top 10 in points allowed to opposing tight ends as well. This was uh, one of the tougher ones, but I think I'm going to go with the Bengals at home here. <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bengals also, even though it's very possible that Dalton's going to give this this one away somehow <laughs> could always happen uh two very team uh two very fun teams here oakland at buffalo uh the raiders played a great game to give the chiefs their second loss in two weeks Derek carr 417 yards and three touchdowns against that defense he has another tough test here uh, this time on the road he's a low-end quarterback one for me maybe maybe high-end quarterback too i don't know if lightning will strike twice here speaking of lightning striking twice Amari Cooper finally had a big day. 11 catches on 19 targets, 210 yards and two touchdowns. Michael Crabtree, just three catches, but 24 yards and a touchdown. Both are wide receiver twos. Um, don't go crazy about Amari Cooper here. We knew he had the talent. It was just a matter of time that a game like this happened. Uh, Buffalo has really held teams in check. Marshawn Lynch got himself suspended for at least a week after pushing an official. Meanwhile, I think Jalen Richard probably becomes a decent PPR flex option. He has the passing down work, but split the carries evenly with DeAndre Washington at nine carries apiece. I don't love either though versus Buffalo's defense this week. Yeah, I mean I think it helped that Derek Carr looked a lot healthier against Kansas City with his back uh, in much better shape. He should be a low on QB1 here. Um, I still do prefer Crabtree to Cooper, especially with the defense probably going to be a little bit more focused on Cooper um, now after that big blow up game. Um, Crabtree for me is a mid-level wide receiver two and Cooper a low-end wide receiver two just a few spots difference really Um, you're starting both if you got them and just to clarify for everyone what Marshawn Lynch did last week was stupid but he was trying to defend his friend Marcus Peters he wasn't trying to escalate the fight as some people thought again still a stupid mistake pushing a ref but his intentions were quote-unquote good And actually, Marcus Peters uh, testified on his behalf today when he's appealing the suspension. So we should know more by tomorrow or the day after at the very latest uh, if Marshawn Lynch is going to play this week, uh, if they overturn that suspension. Um, Yeah, I actually thought that it was pretty ridiculous. That ref got right into Marshawn Lynch's face. It's like as if he knew what he was asking for. He went in there and grabbed him. You never see a ref do that. You never see them get in there like that. It made me extremely frustrated as a Marshawn Lynch fan. Yeah, and we've seen other players, that even this year, that have contacted a ref, and, you know, they got kicked out or they got a penalty, but, you know, they weren't suspended. Um, so yeah. hopefully this is overturned. I, I do uh, believe in, or I, I would rule in Lynch's favor if it were me. 
Um, but fantasy-wise, if Lynch plays against Buffalo, uh, just still just a flex play. He really hasn't been great this year, and Buffalo has a relatively stiff run defense. Um, if he is out, uh, I agree that I'd rather have Jalen Rashard over DeAndre Washington, given Rashard's involvement in the passing game. Um, and even though he's been incredibly inconsistent, uh, I actually do like Jared Cook as a low-end tight end one this week. Uh, Buffalo really just got dominated by Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard this past week. Cook could have a nice game here as well. Um, but like I said, I say I say this with little confidence, just given how inconsistent Cook has been over the years throughout his career, really. And, you know, I'm starting him in one league this coming week, and I wouldn't be shocked if he either had, like, seven catches for 100 uh, yards and a touchdown or just, like, one catch for 12 yards. It certainly looks like he's learned how to catch and hang on to the football this year. That said, you're absolutely right. This next week, he could have five drops. Yeah, uh, I you know in dynasty I'm way over Cook, but in redraft or if you're streaming, uh, certainly worth a shot this week. Yes, sir. Uh, for Buffalo Bills, the uh, Tyrod Tyler came up with some big runs versus Tampa, and this is another favorable matchup. He's a low end quarterback one for me here. Uh, Lashawn McCoy added his first and second touchdowns of the year, as well as 91 yards on 23 carries with five catches for another great running back one day. Uh, they tried to work more with the rookies, A. Jones, with nine targets. He converted only two for 17. Pretty disappointing there. There will be something there eventually. There has to be. There just isn't much else on the team. Uh, The reception production is really hard to guess, even with this favorable matchup versus Oakland's secondary. Deontay Thompson signed after uh, leaving the Bears, had the most yards with 107, but only four targets and catches. Logan Thomas caught the touchdown on one target. And as I said, Zay Jones led the team in targets. Uh, The biggest name, Jordan Matthews, just two for three on 10 yards, still recovering from that thumb injury. Uh, Nick O'Leary followed up with a decent two for 58 day. But of course he's not filling in that full uh, Charles clay role with only two catches. If I had to pick one, he really had to pick one to capitalize on the secondary. I would go with Jordan Matthews. If it looks like his thumb is fully healthy and he's ready to go. Yeah. I saw an interesting um, stat on Twitter today. Uh, credit to whoever, uh, whoever uh, posted that. I don't remember, but so Deontay Thompson had four catches for 107 yards, and um, this past week, uh, Mitch Trubisky had four completions for 107 yards. So <laughs> it's true. Just, uh, just a little ironic, given uh, given how the Bears cut him. But anyway, um, yeah, I love Taylor and McCoy this week. Uh, both are are good to start. Uh, definitely QB one, RB one in this matchup. Um, as far as the wide receivers go, good luck predicting the touchdowns week to week. Uh, I would think going forward, Jordan Matthews is probably the best bet as he continues to get back up to speed following his surgery. But for right now, he's just an upside wide receiver for play this week. We'll see if he morphs into a, a more usable flex play down the line if he starts getting consistent targets. Um, and even though Logan Thomas got the touchdown here, I'd probably still start O'Leary over Thomas if I had to pick a Bills tight end. O'Leary's still just a desperation tight end, too, for right now, though. Definite agreements there. Uh, this was actually the toughest game for me to pick this week, but I think I'm going with uh, Buffalo and that, and that tough defense to just eke one over the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close game and a fun one to watch. Uh, I, I struggled with this pick as well, but I do lean Buffalo as well, uh, mostly because they're at home. 
All right. San Francisco at Philadelphia in what should not be a tough game to call. CJ uh, Bathard got his first NFL start and certainly was not awful. 235 yards, zero and zero, but he doesn't have a ton around him. Carlos Hyde, 14 carries for 68 yards, plus four catches for 20. He'll be a running back two for the time being. Matt Breida didn't get much run and had a fumble. Um, Really uh, gave the rest of the game to Carlos Hyde. Goodwin and Garcon were about equal this past game. Eight and seven targets apiece. Uh, You know, I'm not telling you to go start them, but, uh, you know, with this Philadelphia offense, the Niners will be throwing a ton. If you're desperate, Goodman may be a good desperation flex on top of Garcon being a typical flex week to week. Yeah, um, CJ Beathard uh, is a desperation QB2 here as well (laughs) for me. Despite a pretty rough day against Dallas, he still got you 14 points despite two lost fumbles. Um, Things are going to be just as tough against a very good Philadelphia defensive line, but Beathard has upside. He had 30 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown against Dallas. Um, He's a decent GPP play in DFS, but he could also get you through a bye week at quarterback, especially in deeper leagues. Um, The Eagles have also given up quite a few catches to tight ends, so even though George Kittle struggled this past week, he's still on that tight end to radar despite a bad day. Shockingly low number of targets for him this last week. Don't expect that to continue. Uh, for the Eagles, Carson Wentz get an, gets another great matchup. A quarterback one at home should be fine to fire up Jeffrey as a solid wide receiver too. And possibly Aguilar in the flex. They may not need to score a ton of points, but you know, Wentz will want to. He's a, he's a young gunslinging quarterback. Blunt and Smallwood should also be good flex options as well. Blunt probably getting a little more run this game than most. Ertz, of course, is a top five tight end. Yeah, pretty much uh, start any eagle you got against San Francisco. Um, just a couple quick notes here. Even Torrey Smith would be a use, usable desperation wide receiver for uh, has some upside this week against that weak Niners secondary. And then also the Philadelphia defense is a nice streaming option this week. I would expect at least four or five sacks and a couple of turnovers against uh, this rookie quarterback here. No surprise here. I'll take the Eagles. I will as well. Atlanta at the New York Jets. The rematch of the century did not do much to impress on the Atlanta side of the football. I think prime time is past the Falcons bedtime. Zero points scored until the final five minutes of the game. I'd love to say they should play better against the Jets, but the Pats defense is really, really awful. Uh, Ryan continues to not be a quarterback. One for me. Freeman, 12 carries for 72 yards and three catches for 18. Coleman's six carries for 16 and zero catches. Just really down days for two solid players. Freeman's still in every week running back one just because of his upside. Coleman should still be a flex here. Julio came up with the lone score, a very impressive, strong catch, ripping the ball from the defender and finishing the day with nine catches on 13 for 99 yards and that touchdown. Sanu turned in some solid value with six catches for 65 yards. Again, a low end flex here. Uh, Hooper, man, Matt Ryan hates Austin Hooper. One target again. Uh, Poor guy. Get him on a team that likes tight ends. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Matt Ryan almost has to be a low on QB1 here uh, this week, despite his struggles. There just aren't that many better consistent options at quarterback right now. We've got Aaron Rodgers hurt, Carson Palmer's out too, Marcus Mariota's struggling and on a bye week. Um, I mean, really, he's a QB1 almost by process of elimination. Plus, even though even though it looked bad against the Patriots, Ryan did get you 17 points, uh, even if it was some garbage time in there. So, um, I, I'd be okay with starting him as a QB1 this week. 
But the bigger question here is when are the Falcons going to fire their offensive coordinator? Uh, Steve Sarkeesian took over this past offseason after they lost Shanahan to San Francisco. And it's not like there's been a ton of changes to the offensive personnel from last year to this year. Um, I mean, the only really big change here is Sarkeesian. And I would think that his seat is getting a little warm with all these losses. Um, if you really think about it, the Falcons could easily be one in five if Jordan Howard catches that easy touchdown week one with the Bears and week three against Detroit, Golden Tate, that last second catch on the goal line that was ruled not a touchdown. Um, the Falcons could easily be one in five this season. It's uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But, um, we'll talk about Mohamed Sanu too more in the waiver wire section, but he's a solid wide receiver three or flex play right now every week. He's been averaging 12.4 fantasy points per game when he's healthy. Um, he did not look like that hamstring was bothering him this past week. So uh, fire him up if you got Sanu, I think. Definitely good low cost production there uh, for the Jets. They employed a very split backfield this week. Forte seven carries for 41 yards with five catches for 40 Powell, nine carries 43 yards, two catches for 40 McGuire, three carries seven yards. Powell and Forte will be flexes in another week where the Jets should need to throw off in an early ASJ added three catches, 21 yards and a touchdown, a little fewer targets this week, but still had the touchdown. He's still a low end tight end one for me. Uh, definitely a top 10 tight end. Curse and Anderson each had touchdowns versus Miami. I don't want to play wide receiver roulette with the Jets. It looks like Anderson, though, is becoming a more favored uh, player target in big spots here and is leading the team in targets. But he had a meltdown at the end of the game, throwing his helmet off, causing a 15 yard penalty and effectively ending the game for the Jets as they tried to mount a comeback. Um, all they needed was a field goal there. Uh, who knows if this means anything, though? There's really no such thing as accountability on most of these teams anymore. This isn't the Patriots. It's not like it, there's no such thing as the Jets way. <laughs> well, certainly uh, not. Not every team is as good as the Patriots, but um, really these running backs, uh, and I tweeted this earlier uh, last week too, and just with all three active, there's just really no upside. They're just going to cannibalize each other's production. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick one, I guess it's Powell cause he seems the more explosive, uh, pass catcher between him and Forte, but still just a very low end flex play. And then really Austin Sferin Jenkins has become the most reliable piece in this offense. He's a weekly low end tight end one right now. And then Curse and Anderson are both high end wide receiver fours or low end flex plays. As you said, good luck predicting which guy's going to catch a touchdown week to week, but there certainly are plenty of targets to go around from McCown right now. Um, give me the Atlanta Falcons. This is the Jets. They're going to lose. Come on. Yeah, I mean, give me the Falcons here too, but it honestly wouldn't shock me if the Jets somehow pulled this off, given how Atlanta has been playing. How sad is that? Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangovers are real. Look yeah. at the Seahawks after they lost to the uh, Steelers. Granted, that's dating me. That's like 12 years ago now, but whatever. Uh, Houston at Seattle to kick off our 4 p.m. round of games. This is going to be a tough test for the rookie Deshaun Watson. Not a great matchup here versus Seattle, of course. He should hold quarterback one value, though, with his legs. I, I love what he's been showing us so far this year. Hopkins should be blanketed, blanketed by Richard Sherman, which always puts a damper on your day. Uh, Will Fuller may have a little bit of wiggle room and maintain some flex value on the uh, opposite uh, Shaq. Uh, what's his name? Shaq Lawson. What's the other corner? Shaq Thompson, Shaq Lawson, Shaq something. Sorry. What, what was the question? 
Never mind. Lamar Miller's a low end <laughs> running back too, and Dante Foreman may have some solid flex value as well here if Wilson can take advantage of the injured Houston defense and force continued scoring attempts. Foreman has looked very explosive and has good enough receiving skills to be uh, to be relevant here. Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't agree with you that uh, Will Fuller has flex value here. I would shut him down this week. Uh, I don't think I would not be starting Will Fuller. I think you could find better options out there right now um i I think sorry before i wasn't really paying attention sometimes when you talk it happens um (laughs) were you were you talking about uh the the seahawks the cornerbacks yeah the second corner oh um shaq griffin i think is shaq griffin that's what it is i knew it was something that ended in an n and started in a shack (laughs) sure yeah very close um (laughs) Sounds like we may have a bet brewing here. What do you what do you say? Uh, um, Will Fuller finishes top thirty five in PPR. Mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't really matter. He doesn't catch a ton of passes anyway. You're hoping for one long catch here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll say he's outside the top thirty five. All right, let's uh, let's count it. All right, sounds good. Uh, we'll we'll check back in on that next week. Um, let me let me mark this down real quick since I don't think our super producer Dan is paying. I'm sure Dan's right on now. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so week eight, top thirty-five. All right, so I, I you know, Watson just a low on QB one for me this week, borderline high on QB two. He's had some really easy matchups to exploit since taking over for Tom Savage, and this is going to be you know the first real test for him. I expect an interception or two here um, and not a whole lot in terms of passing yards. The the other thing to keep in mind, uh, you know, you mentioned that he does have uh, value with his legs, but the Seattle defense practices against Russell Wilson every week. Uh, they're going to have a strategy in place here to try and contain Watson in the pocket. I'm really not expecting a big day from him. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, he's still a mid-level wide receiver too, just because they're going to force feed him the ball regardless. But Again, lower expectations this week, traveling to Seattle, of course. And the other guy, actually, over Will Fuller that I'd consider, if you're desperate, is Ryan Griffin. Um, He'll be a decent mid-level tight end, too, just because Seattle's been somewhat vulnerable to opposing tight ends, uh, and especially because I think Watson's going to need to check it down quite a bit with Hopkins and Fuller really having their hands full and being blanketed most of this, this game by the Seattle secondary. As for Seattle, Russell Wilson turned in a pretty nice day. 330 yards, three touchdowns, nothing uh, nothing to complain about there. But would have had even bigger numbers if not for some big drops and overthrows. Uh, he's finding a stride here. And he'll have, to, he'll have a uh, beat-up Houston defense here. He's a quarterback one locked in. Uh, probably top five for me this week. Baldwin's a target machine. 12 more targets this game and a low-end wide receiver one. Graham had a big drop, but also had a solid 14-point day with a touchdown. Uh, the team has a full four-back committee, with ProSize unfortunately being injured early this game. I, I don't think this is a season, uh, situation to touch this week. Rawls had 12 touches, Lacey 12 touches, five touches for McKissick at the start of the game. Every play they had a different player in until they had Lacey in for I think three in the three in a row, and then put Rawls back in. Just just too much variability to touch any of these running backs. Ooh, so just a quick game update here. Jamison Crowder really got bailed out there. Uh, lost the fumble on that punt return, but luckily one of his teammates was able to jump on it. Um, 
Yeah, Russell Wilson, he'll be a solid QB1 this week. Houston's given up lots of points to opposing quarterbacks with their defense missing a lot of their star players. Um, and as you said, none of these running backs are startable. Rawls and Lacey's uh, each each getting 11 carries. Uh, McKissick really not doing much in the receiving game. But Doug Baldwin should be a high-end wide receiver too here. And of course, Jimmy Graham, a mid, mid-end tight end one. And I'm really not sure what to do with the other receivers here. Um, Tyler Lockett has been getting more targets, but Paul Richardson has been more effective with the targets that he's been getting. Uh, I guess I would say both are, you know, wide receiver fours, but if I had to start one of these guys, it would be Paul Richardson. Um, He's got the higher upside given the red zone work he's been getting and also the long downfield targets. I will take the Seattle Seahawks in our 4 p.m. matchup. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Houston fans and and really everyone would go bonkers if Watson was amazing and and Houston pulled off an upset here, but I will take Seattle. Certainly should be a fun game to watch. Two two youngish, leggy quarterbacks. Uh, Dallas at Washington for your 425 game this week, Eastern time. Dallas had a presumably great game against San Francisco. Three touchdowns for Prescott, 210 total yards, and three touchdowns for Ezekiel Elliott. Seven catches for 63 yards and a touchdown for Dez. Start them all with confidence. Uh, Witten will be a fine play here in Washington. Last game with four catches, 54 yards, and a slick one-handed that right-hand touchdown. Uh, Zeke owners, you get another week with him, but make sure you have a plan for week nine. It sounds more and more like his suspension is going to happen after this game. Um, I don't, I don't know if it does, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, I'm have actually, a plan. Don't I, care. I know. I'm just leaning more toward the side that it sounds like he's going to get another stay from the judge and he's going to be able to play out this season, I think. Um, but you know, to your point, if if you want to be cautious, I actually think Alfred Morris is probably the guy to own if you have room on your bench. Uh, but really, that's just a guess. Uh, I'm pretty certain no one actually knows for sure what's going to happen if if Zeke is suspended. Um, but of course, uh, he was amazing this past week. Uh, he brought me such joy and such pain at the same time as I own Zeke in one league, but was facing him in another. So uh, very conflicted <laughs> with each with each touchdown that he got. Um, the only other thing I have to add here is there were rumors out of Dallas that Bryce Butler might get some more snaps after the bye, given how poorly Terrence Williams has been playing. Uh, but really neither did anything this game. Uh, neither really had to do anything this game with them up so much so quickly. Um, but Butler's still a name to monitor for me, especially if Josh Norman is back uh, this coming week and follows Des Bryant around. There may be a, a few more targets to go around to Butler or Williams. Rumors of Bryce Butler's relevance were greatly overestimated. Uh, I actually disagree with you on the uh, Alfred Morris train. Um, I, I think that they've been, I've come to the conclusion that they're holding Darren McFadden out of all these games because he is the direct replacement for Ezekiel Ali, and they didn't want to risk him getting any sort of injury. He's still getting work in practice. Two carries in a game isn't going to help him gain any more momentum than not putting him in the game at all is. Um, so, so I really think that if Zeke does leave, it's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, McFadden just filling in his role um, with uh, Elf Morris still getting the, the two to five carries that he gets week to week uh, on the Washington side of the football um, tonight. We're seeing Kirk try to keep up with a solid offense. He's a great option at home again versus Dallas, the quarterback one. Hopefully we get some clarity and better connection with the wide receivers as well as improved health of Jordan Reed. Chris Thompson's still the best running back, but just a flex option here. 
Yeah, Cousins should be fine against the struggling Dallas secondary. And don't forget Rob Kelly, too. He's a back-end RB, two if he gets healthy and reclaims that starting job. Um, Samaj P. Ryan certainly hasn't done a whole lot to make the coaches uh, continue to start him over Kelly. And I think Tyrell Williams is the best bet right now of the wide receivers. Uh, I'd rank him as a low-end wide receiver three or flex, but... Really, Josh Doxson has the highest upside for later on the season. Um, if he starts getting more on the same page with Cousins and playing more snaps, they did tell uh, reporters that they want to get Doxson more involved here. Um, I have Josh Doxson and Corey Davis on a lot of benches right now, so I think uh, if you're looking for league-winning wide receiver two upside, Doxson's the way to go. Actually, again, I, I sort of like the I like Josh Doxson. I definitely do. Um, probably the I, I thought he was the best uh, wide receiver prospect last year coming out of the draft. But I actually like the size and ability of. Um, oh, my gosh. The uh, converted quarterback out of Oakland went to Oklahoma or went to Ohio State. Terrell What's Pryor. his name? Come on. Terrell Pryor. I actually like his upside a little better than Josh Doxon's because of his size, because of his uh, ability to own people in the red zone. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if either of them catch on. Uh, perfectly valid with the Doxon call there, though. Uh, I will take Dallas in this game. Yeah, I will take Dallas as well on the road. Pittsburgh at Detroit for Sunday night football duh, 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 and all that sort of stuff. Pittsburgh gave us a convincing AFC North win finally, and we'll try to continue momentum in Detroit. Darius Slay has been playing great this year, but you aren't benching Antonio Brown anytime soon, who had another 65 yards and a touchdown and could have had much more if Ben Roethlisberger was a little more accurate on some deep throws. Uh, Road Roethlisberger is a quarterback two for me, uh, not to kick a dead horse while he's down, but Martavis Bryant is not startable with the emergence of Juju Smith. Schuster. He's a hold for now until he gets a little more air under his wings. Juju, I'm talking about, of course, there. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's, of course, top three running back. Um, you got anything else? Yeah, I mean, Darius Slay is a very good cornerback, but Antonio Brown is probably the best wide receiver this league has seen in a long time. Uh, you could say mm -hmm. he's the, the spicy chicken nuggets of the NFL right now. Um, just quick side note, uh, if any of you care, Dan and I uh, did try the Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets after our podcast last week, and they were they were oh pretty boy. good. Ten for a dollar forty nine. Check them out. <laughs> but uh, you know, certainly you're starting Le'Veon Bell too. Uh, which uh, you know, quick side note here. Yeah, he was saying that when he juked uh, that Bengals linebacker Vincent Ray out of his shoes this past week. Um, he heard Ray say, oh, goodness, as he blew by him. <laughs> really, I mean, at that point, uh, when Le'Veon Bell is just jetting by you, there's really nothing else you can do, I guess. Um, and real, uh, the other thing here is uh, Martavis Bryant. Uh, the, Steel the Steelers simply aren't game planning to get the ball to him right now. They aren't even throwing to him downfield with his few targets per game coming on those short crossing routes. Uh or near the line of scrimmage. The only reason to continue to roster him right now are the rumors swirling about a potential trade. Um, I think Martavis Bryant is droppable in shorter bench leagues because you just can't start him right now. Uh, but certainly if he does get traded to another team uh, who will actually use him, uh, he could regain that fantasy value. So um, definitely depends on your uh, current roster and your current record right now. If you can afford to stash them for the upside, um, you know, if you're going to be, you know, five and two or something after this week, maybe hold on to them. But if you need wins right now, then I have no issues dropping him. And then really we'll see if Juju Schuster Smith gets more or Smith Schuster 
um, gets more involved here. Uh, he's an upside wide receiver four with Antonio Brown likely doubled. Uh, Juju could get a few more targets this game. And then in deeper leagues, uh, I mentioned this last week as well, but Vance McDonald clearly has taken the starting tight end job away from Jesse James. Um, as Mc McDonald gets more comfortable with Big Ben, he could eventually produce in fantasy, so keep an eye on him. Detroit coming off the bye this week. Pitts pass T has been better than advertised. Uh, pass rush has been um, lethal some plays, really. Uh, Stafford's just a quarterback, too. Penning his health. Uh, Tate, which uh, is not looking good. Tate is not expected to play, but if he does, he's a PPR wide receiver too. Marvin Jones, a wide receiver three. Riddick should get some DC, decent PPR run here if Bell and Brown can get going. Um, Abdullah gets the most touches, but he's just an RB, RB3 in all formats, not liking the way that he's being used by that offense. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, preseason uh, pass on Abdullah, and he's really done nothing to prove me wrong just yet. Uh, yeah, it looks like Golden Tate's doubtful to play this week. Uh, Stafford isn't a void for me. Uh, really, he's going to struggle without uh, a good weapon of his. And the Pittsburgh defense, as you said, has played pretty well. Um, I actually like Marvin Jones as a high-end wide receiver three, maybe even a low-end wide receiver two, just purely on volume. With Tate out, he should see a ton of targets. Um, the other guy to note, uh, TJ Jones, he had nine targets in, against New Orleans two weeks ago when Tate went down. Um, he has some wide receiver for upside. And then if Kenny Galladay is still out with his hamstring injury, I really think TJ Jones could be a low-end flex play in PPR. That said, if Galladay does return this week, uh, both Jones and Galladay would just be upside uh, desperation plays, really. Uh, and then Eric Ebron may have lost a starting job. I certainly wouldn't be starting any Lions tight end this week. Uh, we'll see how his snaps play out compared to Darren Fells, but I wouldn't be starting either of these guys. Tough sledding and somber days for the Lions. Uh, give me the Steelers on the road. Yeah, you know, I think I would actually take the Lions here if Golden Tate were healthy, but given that he's likely out, uh, I will take the Steelers as well. All right. Uh, Denver at Kansas City on Monday night. We get another AFC West matchup this week, and this has been a great division to watch. Maybe the division of the year so far to watch. Uh, hopefully, Emmanuel Sanders will be back. Demarius Thomas held to just nine yards versus LA, but had a big 80-yard catch called back on OPI. CJ and JC didn't have much luck versus LA and may have even less versus KC. That's uh, There's your alphabet soup. Brought to you by Alphabets. Just 10 carries for 44 yards with a 17-yard catch for C.J. Anderson. He's a low-end running back, too, this week. If the wide receivers are healthy, they are also both lower-end wide receiver twos. A.J. Derby ended up with the bulk of the tight end targets here, 6 for 7 on 66. And he was in on the hurry up offense. So that may mean something going forward. I, I'm not looking much for uh, I'm not looking for much success for him versus Kansas City, regardless. Yeah, I think Derby actually led the entire team in targets this past week. But, uh, you know, as you said, I'm not buying into him just yet uh, either. He's still just a tight end, too, right now. Uh, he does split a lot of time with the other other tight ends. Um, but really, the, the bigger issue here is Trevor Simeon has been playing awful. He looks so good the first two weeks of the season, but he's been a train wreck ever since. It sounds like Emmanuel Sanders is day-to-day, -day, but still pretty doubtful for this week. Um, so even though Demarius Thomas was terrible this past week, I still have him as a high-end wide receiver too this week. I mean, he's getting targets, and he would have had a very nice catch if not for that penalty. But, 
you know, especially because Marcus Cooper doesn't shadow, so Thomas should be okay, I think, this game. And really, Kansas City has been struggling on defense, so I do think C.J. Anderson has a decent week as a low-end RB2. Um, and then with Jamal Charles and Devontae Booker sharing the change of pace or passing down role, neither is a reliable start in fantasy. Um, the last note, too, with Sanders likely out, Benny Fowler did see five targets and caught them all for 45 yards. Um, he's an okay low-end flex play in PPR. I, I think the volume is going to be there for him. For Kansas City, the Chiefs, uh, Kansas City gets a ton of time to prepare for this game, having not played since last Thursday. I imagine most everyone should be healthy to play. Denver's a tough matchup, of course, but you're still sticking with Hunt Hill and Kelsey with confidence. Uh, Kelsey tends to turn some very big games in versus Denver dating back to last season. Yeah, um, you know, you're starting those three guys. Uh, a couple other notes. Um, even though this isn't gr- the greatest matchup for Alex Smith, I, I still have him as a low-end QB1 this week. Um, this Broncos team just hasn't been playing well on offense or defense, and Phillip Rivers still had a decent day against them with 15 points in fantasy this past week. Also, with Aaron Rodgers out on IR, Palmer out, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier, with so many QBs either struggling or injured, um, you could do worse than Alex Smith. He's still a QB1 for me. Uh, and the other note is to keep an eye on Demarcus Robinson with Chris Conley gone for the season. Even though Albert Wilson had that long, fluky touchdown last week against Oakland, uh, it really should have been an interception. But uh, Demarcus Robinson had actually tied Tyreek Hill for the most targets with eight uh, compared to Wilson's two. Um, Robinson, some, someone who could emerge as a fantasy wide receiver three or flex option the rest of the way, given the way that this Kansas City defense has been allowing opponents to score on them. Uh, they're going to get into some high scoring shootout type games. Especially with matchups still left against the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, give me on Monday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, even though this Chiefs defense has been awful, uh, Trevor Simeon has been more awful, so I will stick with the Chiefs as well. Six teams on a bye this week. Big, big week for bye teams. Count them. One, two, three. You know how to count to six. Arizona, Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Rams, the Giants, and the Titans. Um, Just a quick overview of their weeks for Arizona. The Rams stepped up big, shutting out the Cardinals. Adrian Peterson, just 33 yards. Carson Palmer, done for the season. Drew Stanton time, or maybe, uh, maybe, uh, like, no, what's his name? Uh, Blaine Gabbert? It's Drew Stanton time. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert time. We'll see what happens. Perfect time for a bye. Uh-oh, this team's in trouble. Trade Larry, if uh, if there's any teams that haven't heard the news yet. Uh, Green Bay, the Packers pack is in trouble, but Hundley will get another week to learn on the bye. Uh, just 87 passing yards. Yikes. Aaron Jones carved a likely weekly running back two value for himself, but only five receptions and 40 yards for the big three added together. Not a good passing week. Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette was a late scratch. Chris Ivory filled in nicely as expected. Hearns and Lee are both good options with Fournette out against poor pass defenses. If both of those things aren't the case, I'd still stick away from him. Maybe go with Lee. He's the, he's the more talented player. Uh, five catches for 101 yards for Lee uh, for Hearns. Four catches for 72 for Lee that week. The Rams, Gurley ran all over Arizona. Goff was uh, poorly efficient but did more than enough to win. He added a rushing touchdown. The Giants, Evan Ingram continues to earn his paycheck. Everyone else, not so much. Six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown, and was robbed of an extra 80-yard reception by offensive pass interference. 
Bad week for offensive pass interference. 12 targets for the tight end. He's a must-own. Tennessee, letdown of an offensive showing versus Cleveland, but they'll get an extra week to heal. Mariota, Walker, and the running backs. Maybe Corey Davis uh, will start practicing this week, hopefully, too. Yeah, just real quick on uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I saw this proposed on Twitter, and I think it'd be pretty interesting. Um, if the Steelers traded Martavis Bryant for Larry Fitzgerald, gave him a shot at a ring, uh, and certainly they don't like Bryant right now, so the the Cardinals could see what they got in a really athletic wide receiver, kind of like what they had in Michael Floyd a couple years back. That's interesting. That is interesting. I'd expect the Steelers have to pay more than Martavis Bryant just because he's looked so bad he missed the entire last season, but that is definitely an interesting thought. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so some streaming options here for this week uh, at quarterback. Uh, one is Andy Dalton against Indianapolis. Uh, only 55% in, owned in Yahoo leagues right now. Um, as we said, uh, yeah, it's Andy Dalton, but no quarterback has scored fewer than 15 fantasy points against the Colts so far this year. And then we've got Tyrod Taylor against Oakland, uh, 58% owned. Uh, the Raiders are a nice matchup here, and we've seen that Taylor has high upside and high floor given his rushing potential. And then finally, if you're desperate, we got C.J. Beathard at Philadelphia, only 6% owned. Um, as we mentioned, he did score 14 points in both games that he's played this season, um, had an okay day against Dallas despite losing two fumbles, um, and also adds rushing yards as well. So again, much like Tyrod Taylor, has a decent floor couple tight ends this week with the six teams on by Tyler Crawford's Indianapolis. I think he's probably in the solid tight end to um, get him owned on a team sort of slot there. 15% owned right now, getting a lot of targets with Eifert out playing against a bad cold secondary this week. Um, probably my top tight end streamer for this week. Jack Doyle at Cincinnati, 43% owned was second on the team versus and targets versus should see a lot versus Cincinnati too. A lot of tight end production coming that game. Jared Cook at Buffalo, 40% owned. High risk, high reward play depending on his usage. But the Tampa Bay tight ends just combined for 12 catches, 158 yards, and two touchdowns against this Bills defense. Ben Watson versus Miami, 13% owned. Nothing flashy, but he's averaged six catches the last two games with Baltimore's wide receiver core hurt and ineffective. Uh, the target shares there for a decent PPR floor if you are desperate. Yeah, and finally, a couple defenses to consider. Uh, we mentioned Philadelphia playing tonight, playing pretty well against Kirk Cousins, and they're going to get a rookie quarterback with C.J. Beathard in his second start, um, only 57% owned right now. And then we've got the New Orleans defense against Chicago, only 44% owned. Yeah, we talked about them last week, and they didn't work out for you, really, if you stream them against Brett Hundley. Um, but the Chicago offense has really done nothing the last two weeks, uh, really having had to rely on fluky defensive and special teams touchdowns to win these games. So uh, I would go back to New Orleans even after a bad week. I'll run you through a few of the new and continuing injury issues. Carson Palmer, broken arm, will need surgery, out eight-plus weeks, faces the Giants even if he's back week 16, which is a tough, tough matchup there. He's droppable in all formats. I'm not running to add Drew Stanton or Blaine Gabbert just yet. Jay Cutler cracked four ribs, three or four ribs, week to week, out this week for sure. Miami plays Thursday night. Andrew Sh Andrew, Sh Andrew, Sh Andrew Sh Might as well start calling him Andrew Shoulder It's because uh, he's got a lot more shoulders 
issues than luck. That's for sure. Uh, suffered a setback. Very possible. He misses this entire season. How nice is that? Thanks for, uh, thanks for being uh, stand up guys again, again, Indianapolis. These guys lie like it's their job. Leonard Fournette, Jacksonville chose to let him heal this past week has a bye this week. Should be fine. Week nine, Steph Diggs, groin strain, Minnesota goes to London, Tottenham or uh, Travis. Tra- I don't know. There's a lot of cities over there. Week eight then has a buy in week nine. Could let him heal this week. We'll see if he uh, gets on the plane to get over there. That'll, you know, if he doesn't get there, find a replacement. Go figure. Delaney Walker with a high ankle sprain, which we've seen a lot of in the league week to week. Tennessee on by this week. So we'll see if he misses time. If he does, that can be a lingering issue. High ankle sprains um, do do tend to take a couple weeks before they're uh, they're fully done. Yeah, the the one note I will add for Delaney Walker is generally his routes don't require as many of those sharp cuts as some of the wide receiver routes. So I would expect a guy like Walker to be a little bit more effective, uh, even not 100% on an ankle sprain than like, say, an Emmanuel Sanders type that relies on those explosive cuts. And then in terms of waiver wire ads... Um, really, uh, the, the only quarterback here that I want to mention is Aaron Rodgers, who's 50% owned in Yahoo Leagues right now. Um, we're getting reports that that shoulder surgery went well. Rodgers could return as early as week 15, so that's the second week of the fantasy playoffs for many formats. I would stash him if you have an IR spot or if you have room on your bench with a really good record so far. Um, if you were stashing Andrew Luck, I would 100% rather... Uh, have Rodgers than Luck. Um, so something to consider if you're in a good spot and then have a pretty good shot to make the fantasy playoffs already. And then at running back, uh, we've got Duke Johnson, who we've talked about in prior weeks. He's 82% owned, but look, he's the RB11 in PPR through seven weeks. Uh, he's only had two games with fewer than 10 points. The Browns are a mess, but they have no good receivers, and they really have to use Duke as a check down early and often. Uh, James White, we've talked about, only 73% owned. These are all guys that should be owned in pretty much every league. Um, White has been the RB16 in PPR, um, and New England running backs are inconsistent, but James White is locked in for the most part as the passing down back, and the Patriots are going to continue to get into shootouts with their defense struggling. You've got Aaron Jones, 73% owned. He's clearly won the starting job over Ty Montgomery at this point. Uh, looks more explosive, too. Uh, Green Bay is going to want to rely on the run game here to hide Brett Hundley's shortcomings. Uh, Jones could be an RB2 or flex for the rest of the season. Theo Riddick, another passing back. Uh, you know, he's 38% owned. He's been inconsistent, but he's averaged six targets the last couple of games. And especially if Golden Tate misses a week or two here, uh, Riddick should see a lot of usage this week and maybe beyond. We've got Marlon Mack, only 40% owned. Uh, as we mentioned with Robert Turman out, uh, he played more snaps than Frank Gore this past week and is pa- and is catching more passes. Um, and with the Colts playing from behind a lot, Mack has RB3 reflex value and possibly RB1 upside if Gore gets hurt. And then we've got Deion Lewis, 29% owned. He's slowly taken over that early down running back job in New England, uh, getting a lot of yards after contact right now. He's been the RB28 in PPR through seven weeks. Uh, he's a nice flex play rest of the season. And then finally, just to mention some handcuff options here, Chris Ivory, 55% owned. We saw that he can be effective if and when Leonard Fournette misses more time. 
We've got Dante Foreman, 13% owned, if anything were to happen to Lamar Miller. Um, and then we've got Sharkhandrick West, only 5% owned. He's been out with that concussion. But, uh, you know, if anything were to happen to Kareem Hunt, Sharkhandrick West, we've seen before, could be a high upside RB2. James Conner, 4% owned. Le'Veon Bell is playing a ton of snaps, getting a ton of touches every week. Um, even though he's held up, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, that just increases the likelihood of something happening to him. Malcolm Brown, 0% owned right now. Um, if anything were to happen to Todd Gurley, uh, I think uh, he could do pretty well in that system. Um, Sean McVay has shown that he knows how to use his uh, talented skill position players. We've got Austin Eckler, 1% owned. Um, this is a situation to monitor, but it looks like he's kind of taken over as that backup to Melvin Gordon over Brandon Oliver. Um, so he's another guy to keep an eye on. So these are all uh, a lot of running backs, some who will help you now if you need wins now to make it to the playoffs. And as we said, if you have a pretty good record already so far, uh, those last few guys are guys to stash who have high upside for later in the season. Sure. Let's bring in a few of our past catchers that are still unowned in a lot of leagues. Mohamed Sanu, Big Mo, 38% owned only, averaging 12.4 points per game when healthy. Has nice matches coming up versus the Jets, Dallas, Carolina, before uh, reaching Seattle in Week 11. Corey Davis, 25% owned and has zero points so far for the season. He's been out since Week 2 with a hamstring injury. Did he have a catch week one? Actually, I might be wrong about yeah, that. But his of, only full game, he led the team one. with 10 targets. Yeah, he, he did. It's very possible he'll be back week nine after Tennessee's bye, especially given Tennessee is on bye. You can add him for free as a free agent on Sunday night or Monday in Yahoo leagues if someone's on your bench doesn't perform. Richard Matthews is not a legit number one receiver. Davis could be a wide receiver too, rest of standing, uh, rest of season leading Tennessee in targets. Juju Smith-Schuster, 14% owned. If he starts playing consistent snaps and targets, could be a weekly wide receiver three. A lot of upside there in a high-octane offense when Ben's clicking on all cylinders. Marvin Jones, 62% on wide receiver, 39 on the season, despite Patrick Peterson, Xavier Rhodes, and Janoris Jenkins, three of his first four games. Last two weeks, he's averaged six for 75, and Golden Tate is likely out at least another week or two. Josh Doxon, 12% owned. If he can emerge as the number one wide receiver in that messy Washington wide receiver core, he has wide receiver two potential for the rest of the season. Jermaine Curse, 53% owned, leads the Jets in touchdowns. You could do worse as your wide receiver four or buy option uh, with weekly touchdown upside here. Tyler Croft, 15% owned to lead out the tight ends. Could be a low-end tight end one rest of the season if he's in the Eifert role in the Cincinnati offense. Lots of red zone targets designed to go to the tight end. O.J. Howard, 13% owned. Definitely risky, but if they start using him more as a pass catcher instead of a blocker, the sky's the limit for Howard with defenses needing to cover Evans and Deshaun downfield. Scene could be wide open for this big boy. Yeah, and then uh, real quick, uh, again, I know we don't talk about kickers that often, but uh, I did mention this a couple of weeks ago, I think, but Harrison Butker, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs kicker, only 52% owned still, um, and I'm really not sure how it's that low. Butker has been the number two fantasy kicker in points per game over the last four weeks since he took over for Cairo Santos. Um, I know we, we talk about, uh, you know, preseason uh, when we're drafting still never to draft kickers early because they're so inconsistent and so much changes in the offseason and, and even in the preseason. But, 
you know, we're seven weeks into the season now. We have a relatively good feel for what teams are going to be like uh, to project rest of season stats. This Kansas City offense is playing great, and the Kansas City defense is giving up tons of points. Uh, the Chiefs are going to be in plenty of high-scoring games, and Butker has been very accurate. He should be owned in all leagues that use kickers. The Chiefs. Have you heard of them? Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. They score points, people. Come on. <laughs> and so does Harrison Butker. That's right. All right. That is going to do it for this week from us. Uh, you know, hopefully you're doing well in your leagues. Uh, I have I have some really some really good records in most of my leagues, but uh, some not so good records in a couple of my leagues. So every week's a battle. Uh, this is a week to week game. So nothing's over just yet. Uh, you know, whether you're three and four or five and two, uh, it's important to always stay vigilant on the waivers. And as always, if you have more specific questions for us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I am at FFA underscore Los L-O-S. Our producer, Dan, is at FFA underscore Dan. And you can also find us available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device of choice. As always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.